GoLongTD.com, humanizing pro football journalism. Drew Bledsoe. Drew, it's great to uh, have you back here at GoLong. Um, like I just mentioned to you, you've been phenomenal. We, we chatted a couple years ago all about your rise, crazy stories from the early Patriot days, Bill's memories, with a little bit of wine on the side. So figured we uh, we were overdue to to bullshit again here. Thanks so much. Yeah, my pleasure. It's a little early out here for uh, wine, so I'm on this little tiny cup of cup of coffee. We'll uh, we'll switch to wine in a little while. Yeah, so you you've got some wine events going on today, right? I mean, let, yeah, let's yeah, know, man. What, what's happening? We're, we're, yeah, we're back in Boston. We're at uh, the Quinn House uh, tonight, which cool club right on Com Ave uh, here in Boston. Uh, we're gonna do like a, just kind of a sports Q and A, and then a full on fancy five course dinner after that, and then. Uh, and then tomorrow night at, uh, at over at uh, the Encore at the casino. Um, so, a couple of events, and then we'll uh, head back to uh, head back head back west. And we got a couple of events uh, Friday and Saturday back there. So we got a four day stretch here where we're going pretty hard. I, I tell you what, watching that documentary about sommeliers changed my whole perspective on wine. Right? I think uh, growing up, it was oh, you know, you've got your reds, you've got your whites, and yeah. it is endless. I mean, there there is a type of. I, I would love to know how many different types of wines there really are in the world, right? Yeah, there, it's it's I, I, it's it's borderline infinite, um, just because you know. But just in terms of the different varietals, I think there's something like 170 just in Italy. Um, you know, so it's yeah, trying to keep track of all of it, but it makes my head spin to think about it. It's also, it's ripe to be made fun of. You know, there's some people that take it way too seriously. At the end of the day, we're, we're making a beverage. It's supposed to make you happy. And, uh, you know, we don't need to, we don't need to, you know, go too deep into the details on every little thing. Sometimes it's okay to just drink wine and enjoy it. What, what's your go-to right now? What, what do you find yourself ordering? Probably, uh, probably, uh, probably Pinot Noir. We drink a lot of Pinot. Uh, and we're making some really good stuff out there in the Willamette Valley in Oregon. Um, and then we just released a wine that I think is really super cool. It's a, it's an, it's in honor of my dad. It's called the Mac. Um, and, uh, we just released that to our wine club. It's a really cool looking bottle. Just says just the Mac and script on the black bottle. And, and the juice is just terrific. So that, that one's, that one's been a lot of fun here recently. I love it. I love it. So double back, right? In Walla Walla, Washington. There you go. Bledsoe family winery. We'll, we'll link it. And anybody anywhere can uh, can get their fill. Uh, you can get on there. A lot of the wines are sold out, but people can get on there and get our list, and then we let you know. So it's a good thing. Being sold out is a good thing. Um, so, but uh, we're making more wine. So if you can't get the stuff you want this year, well, you can get it next year. Well, obviously, you're you're here to announce that the Jets are trading for Tom Brady, right? That's the- <laughs> right, right, right. I got inside, inside knowledge. Inside knowledge. I don't know that that there. I know that these script writers for the NFL write some crazy, crazy shit, but I, 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 I think that, uh, writing a script where, uh, where Tom Brady plays for the Jets, that, that's, that's a bridge too far. I don't, I don't think, I don't think that that's, that's realistic. Yeah. That's, um, yeah. I don't, I don't even know what, what that would be. That's beyond rated R. That's just right. You, <laughs> yeah. Special yeah, screenings. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I don't, cruel. yeah. Yeah. That'd be, yeah. Pretty crazy though, man. I feel bad for Aaron, uh, but uh, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be really interesting. We've got some some friends that uh, have a kid on the uh, on the team down there with the Jets, and, and um, 
interesting thing that they said is that just watching the improvement in Zach Wilson with Aaron there as a mentor uh, has been pretty dramatic. And uh, so uh, it's just going to be really interesting to see, you know, how Zach plays the rest of the year with, with, uh, with the old grandpa there as, as, his, as his mentor. Um, but feel bad for Aaron. I, I, I never feel bad for the Jets. Um, you know, I don't really care if they ever win, but, but, uh, but, uh, but I do, uh, I do feel bad for Aaron. And, and honestly, man, what, I mean, it was going to be a really interesting storyline for the rest of the year. Uh, but it'll still be interesting. I hope Zach Wilson plays well, except when he plays the Pats and the Bills and anybody else really. But, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy for the kid to get another opportunity. Yeah, I think everybody kind of saw Zach Wilson against the Bills, and they're thinking, well, this is the same old Zach Wilson. He is terrible. But you're hearing that there was progress. I mean, maybe with a week of yeah. game planning, uh, yeah. he can finally find himself here. Yeah, that'd be good. He's obviously a very talented, uh, very talented kid. And, and uh, you know, and just, you know, everything that, that I've heard out of there is that Aaron's been doing a great job of mentoring him. So, uh, it'll, it, you know, Everybody's going to miss the uh, the you know being able to watch Aaron, uh, but it'll be an interesting thing to continue to watch. And I and I love it, right? There there should be zero empathy for the New York Jets, right? There, there's <laughs> talk about cruel script writing. It doesn't, you know, it's I, it it becomes folklore. We we talked about it. Obviously, we don't have to do the blow by blow, but I don't know if people really remember what you went through in 2001, physically, the internal bleeding, right? Your brother wondering. Yeah. If, uh, yeah. you're, if you're dead, um, yeah. by the time you woke up, there's a tube in your chest, I believe, pumping blood out, and it's getting yep. recycled back in. And they they said they almost had to tear open your chest, right? I mean, it was yeah, close almost, to that. Almost, yeah, yeah, almost uh, almost cut open my, almost cut my rib cage open and went inside and all of that stuff. So it's, uh, but I made it through. You know, whatever doesn't kill us, right? And uh, and uh, you know, ultimately, you know, life's been pretty damn good, man. So. Uh, I don't have any complaints, but yeah, that was a crazy time in life for sure. How did that make you as a, as a human being, right beyond beyond the football stuff, going going through that physically? How do you think it made? I don't you? know. I think you, when you, for for me going through it, it's you know you go through something traumatic like that. If I think in a lot of ways, it's harder for the people that are around you than it is for you personally. Um, you know, you just you get through it and keep living and 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 go on and and. Um, I don't know. I think in a lot of ways, you know, when you're the person that's the that the thing happened to, um, you worry about it less than the people that are that are around you, your loved ones around you. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I'd I'd love to tell you that I started to, you know, appreciate life more and, and uh, be a little more cautious. And, and uh, I think I, for number one, I always really appreciated life. And number two, uh, I haven't really get much more cautious. Uh, I would say I'm getting more cautious in, uh, that now, maybe finally developing a little bit of that frontal lobe at the age of 51. Um, but, times, uh, right. Yeah. Right. Right. But made it through some, made it through some, made it through some crazy stuff. Um, before I started to, uh, get a little more cautious. Yeah. I'm so blown away by that desire to want to play the second you were able to play. What were you at? Like 51 days later, something like that, that you were cleared. Yeah. And yep. it's it's gung ho. You're ready to go. Yep. Uh, that there there was there, there's no second thought. You said the only time you thought if I was even gonna play again is well is this other quarterback gonna get off the field, yeah. right? Yeah, right. No, it's you know, but I mean, if you if you're if you're gonna play, the, I don't know. I think probably if you're gonna do anything that's dangerous, you have to live in the world of denial a little bit. Uh, you know, we all think we're invincible, and um, and uh, 
you know, 10 foot tall and bulletproof was just actually with, uh, Todd Rucci is one of my dear friends from uh, my playing days. We were drafted together and we were watching, we were watching, you know, the, some football games and the two of us are sitting there. He's, he's a little bit older. I think he's 53. I'm 51. And we're watching these games. We're like, man, can you believe we did that? That looks like that hurts. <laughs> you lined up and ran into the strongest guys on the planet, play in and play out, you know, week in and week out. Um, I stood out there back when they used to be able to hit the quarterback and just got, you know, drug, drug through the mud. And we're looking at it like, man, can you imagine if that happened right now? They'd have to take us immediately to the hospital and have us on life support if that happened right now. Um, so, you know, you just kind of have to live in that, uh, live in that world of denial a little bit. Well, shit, you were you were pretty close to that verbatim in, in 2001, yeah, right, but right. Yeah. The, the decade before, that that was the glory era for pro football. That oh, was pretty fun, man. We had, we had some, we had some uh, yeah, we had, uh, I mean, it's always been good, and I think the game's still great, um, but that was a good era, particularly for the Patriots, just because you know, it went from irrelevant to pretty relevant um, you know, over that period of time, so uh, yeah, that was a special time, and they were amazing teams to be a part of, because we were so young. Um, we had the worst facilities in the NFL by a mile. So there was kind of this, this underdog us against the world mentality. And it was, it was, it almost felt a little collegiate, you know, in a, in a very business, uh, you know, the business of professional football, our team, because we were so young, because we were underdog, because we had bad facilities, you know, it, it did feel kind of like, like college, uh, even though we were, you know, pros now. You had to check out for the pair of socks. You, you, you yeah, had to exactly. sign off yeah. to get a new pair of yeah. socks, right? What, what else does it look like? Those, those early Patriots. Oh, yeah. No, they had, they had, I remember uh, like right before I got there, they were trying to get um, – I forget. They were trying to get one of the veteran quarterbacks to come in and be a mentor for him, and he walked in, and they, uh, they actually had a, a soda machine in the locker room that you had to put money in. So you're a player. If you want to buy a Coke, you got to go, you got to go throw 75 cents in the Coke machine in the locker room. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was not a great operation when we got there. Thankfully, um, the teams were on, changed it. And then obviously when uh, Mr. Craft bought the team, things really started to change from the way it was managed from the top down. I, I just love those stories though. I mean, Gr- Green Bay, similar, really early nineties. Pre Ron Wolf, pre Brett Favre, pre Mike Holmgren, it's I don't think anybody in the NFL can conceptualize what what it's like being a professional athlete in that kind of environment. You you changed it. So what went into really changing it? When you look back at it, how did oh, you, you know, completely change everything with the New England Patriots? You know, when you're in the middle of something like that, you you know you're not stepping back and looking like, hey, we're going to change the culture of this thing and you know, make an organization relevant. You're not, that's not, that's not, you're, you're just going to work. Yeah. You just go to work every day and, and, uh, you know, try to get better every day. And, and, um, you know, and then, you know, if you're successful, then, you know, you look back on it, it looks like it was a carefully orchestrated plan with, uh, with these grand intentions. Uh, but we were young kids just trying to figure out how to win one game. And, and that was it. Um, uh, but in retrospect, you know, uh, you know, being a part of that, uh, it did change things. But that's certainly not when you're 21, 22, 23 years old. Uh, you know, you're not focused on, you know, making this big cultural change. But ultimately, because we had such a group of good people that were like-minded people that 
uh, came from radically different backgrounds um, and came together to try to, um, you know, work hard every day. And, and just the fact that, that it was a big group of, of great people, we did end up changing culture. But that's certainly not what uh, it's certainly not what we set out to do. We set out to see if we could win a game. Um, and then if we won that one, then we, you know, try to win the next one. Uh, but it was, it was cool to be a part of now in retrospect. Well, Bill Parcells kind of scared the hell out of some guys, right? He, he, uh, oh yeah, he did, was, did his part in training camp. Like, yeah, it was, he was, he was, he really liked, uh, playing that role of the, the godfather, especially if there were cameras around. He really liked it then. Uh, but, uh, but he was definitely an intimidating guy for, for, for young guys. You know, you felt like you really were, you know, especially like the first couple of times you meet him, uh, you know, feel like you're, it's, it's a movie character that you're talking to. You guys butt heads. Oh, well, you know, when you're 21, you don't really, uh, you don't really talk back to him a little bit later in my career. Yeah. We butted heads a few times. Yeah. 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 That'd be tough. You know, first overall pick, but, uh, yeah, like a college roommate, you're around each other long enough. You're you're probably going to go at it, uh, <laughs> right? Right. But, but man, I mean, what what you guys did there? I was just rewatching the Super Bowl against the Packers, even which oh. is it, closer you know, than I think most people remember. You know, you guys had a moment there. You had the lead. You're probably feeling yeah, good. The, Things we had are the lead there for a little bit. I, I've actually I've never watched that game. I said I said it, it hurts. I would hurt to watch it. I, I uh, you know when you get to that game and you don't win it, it's more painful than not having gotten there. Um, so I've never watched that game. I do know that Desmond Howard ruined it. I, uh, I did game day with him four or five years ago and I, I told him, man, I've still never forgiven you, um, for ruining, ruining that Super Bowl. Um, but, uh, no, it was pretty cool though. And in, in a four year stretch to go from, you know, the worst team in the league to, to, uh, to being in a big game. Um, pretty cool that we were able to get there, but, but man, when you get to play in that game and, and, uh, it doesn't go your way. Uh, that's really, really hard to, uh, really hard to swallow. What are the good memories then? I think you mentioned that the first time we talked, right? Like, you know, you're oh, not going to think about oh, the bad tons, ones in the picture. Oh, there's tons of great memories. That's why I don't, that's why I never watched that game. I, I just try to focus on the good memories and there are millions of those. Um, man, we had, we had some great games that year or they're waiting in 94. We had the game against the Vikings. Um, you know, being, um, in Foxborough, when in the, uh, the game, the, Divisional game against the uh, Steelers, and then the uh, and then the uh, the having being able to host the AFC Championship game and, and win that in Foxborough when there hadn't been playoff games there for so long uh, it was very very cool. But one of the things that happened for us that year we we, we played on uh, we played that divisional game on uh, Sunday and on Saturday the Jaguars. Uh, surprised everybody and beat the Denver Broncos who were the odds on favorite to win the Super Bowl. And so all of a sudden when the Jaguars do that, we look at, well, if we win, we get to play at home. Um, so we, we were over at Scott Zolak's house watching that game and we got pretty fired up. We're like, holy shit. You know, if we, if we can just find a way to win this game, we get to play next week at home. Um, and, uh, and both things happen. So I would like to say that year we had some, uh, we had some people on the inside helping write the script. Uh, and they uh, they wrote a good script for us. We enjoyed it. Man, your and your style of play it, it it does seem like a lost art. A quarterback at your size in the pocket when you can't hit the quarterback, you can pulverize the quarterback. Taking shot after shot after. I mean, you took some blows, man. Where, where did your toughness really come from? You think, Drew? 
Uh, uh, well, my dad was an offensive lineman, and both mom and dad are, grew up on uh, farms. They were uh, hardworking people. But I remember when I was a sophomore in high school, uh, I got my first start, and I got hit. Ended up being a bad hit. I did go to the hospital after that one. Um, but uh, I'm laying on the laying on the ground when I'm 15 years old, and I uh, can't breathe. And I look over at my dad on the sidelines who was coaching, and he just looks at me and goes, get up. Okay, I guess I got to get up. So I got up, and I couldn't call the play in the huddle because I couldn't get, catch my breath. And so I was kind of – but kept playing. So, you know, staying down on the field was never – it was never really – Never really an option. It was never something you, that, you, uh, that, that came into your mind. You just get up and keep going. So when he went to the hospital, what what happened? What, uh, I had a bruised that? I had a bruised liver. Uh, kid, guy hit me in the gut, and uh, yeah, bruised my bruised my liver. So I couldn't play for a couple weeks after that. But but I finished the game. I didn't even know you can bruise your liver. Yeah, I didn't know that either until then. <laughs> but apparently, it's usually it's usually something they only see like in car crashes i guess um but uh yeah no, it just was never an option to stay down on the field you just keep get up and keep going holy shit i mean 15 years old that, that's probably a point it'd be really easy to say you know this, this football thing there, there's other sports i can play yeah I, 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 I can do made. i mean uh we'll go try tennis or something uh <laughs> but uh no i was just just loved it wait what about football just kept kept you coming back for more then oh just everything about it you know when you're in high school it's that that uh, camaraderie with your friends you've grown up with, and, you know, bus rides on Fridays, you know, going to your big game and Friday night lights with the whole town coming out, especially in a tiny little town like I grew up in. You know, that was the big event uh, of the weekend was the Friday night football game. Um, so just everything about that. And then, you know, then you then you get into, you know, the, uh, the teamwork and strategy and, and uh all the tactical stuff that you have to go through. And then you, uh, then as it, as it grows, now you get to go do that in front of like, you know, in college, you know, 40 or 50,000 people and the pros, 70 or 80,000 people. And, and a lot of people are watching and, you know, just that the, the whole thing is just, it's pretty magical. You put it so perfectly in a locker room. You really do have people from every conceivable background needing to come together for a common cause. It's, it's not cliche and corny. I mean, there is something special about the sport that you can't really get in, in many other professions at all. It's, it's really true. You know, it's something when people talk to me about, uh, you know, what I miss and and, and, uh, and and what I enjoyed most about, you know, being able to play in the NFL, it's, it's usually the first thing I mention. You know, in, in what other arena are you going to have this small town kid from the wheat fields of southeastern Washington um, with guys that grew up in the city and Miami and guys from the deep south, um, you know, circle boys from California. Um, so there's just radically different backgrounds and different perspectives on life. And you get thrown together to try to work toward a top common goal. And, and the thing that I, that, 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 that I always point to is that, I, you know, you hear about, you know, societal issues and, uh, you know, all of these things that are going on, I think it's something that should be pointed to as an example for how you do it. Because uh, in the locker room, um, you know, it's not a touchy-feely place. You know, <laughs> you know you're, you're busting each other's chops on a daily basis. But at the same time, there's there's uh, a great res- mutual respect uh, in, a, in the locker room. Um, and it doesn't, 
it, you know, us, you know, equality never really comes up. You know, we're all equals and we know that there. And, and it's, it's just what can you bring to the table? What can you do to accomplish your part? But then with that, you know, there's also these great conversations that go on. You know, I remember talking to Bruce Armstrong about how he grew up versus how I grew up and they couldn't have been more different, you know, uh, uh, you know, we, I grew up in a place where we didn't, I didn't even know where our house key was. We never locked our house. You know, and Bruce grew up with bullets flying and, and all of this stuff <laughs> around. And, and to be able to have those kinds of conversations with somebody that you have great respect for on a very intimate, in a very intimate way and learn, you know, that was, that was the deal. It was like, Hey, let's, I want to, I want to know about what that was like. It couldn't be more foreign to me. Uh, and Bruce is the same way with me, you know, was like, Hey, yeah, tell me what that was like. What was it like growing up out there? And the uh, funny thing is that you know there was one moment with with Bruce, but I know he wouldn't. I know he wouldn't. Uh, he wouldn't be pissed off for me to tell this story because I think it's a good story. But we're sitting there, we're talking, and we had this long conversation about what it was like for me growing up, what it was like for growing up, growing up for him. And he goes, "Man, we really grew up in different worlds, didn't we?" I was like, "Yeah, Bruce, we sure did." He goes. Man, I got to tell you, I like your world so much better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but uh, no, it was just, it was a really uniquely cool thing to, um, you know, to have guys that became, you know, it's cliche to say brothers, but, uh, but guys that became very, very close friends, um, that uh, really counted on each other in a, in a, in a hostile environment. Um, and, you know, you came from just such crazy, crazily different backgrounds. Uh, it was it was a great thing and something that I feel blessed to have been a part of. Yeah, I, I totally forgot. So Bruce was from Miami, Florida. Yeah, a little different. Miami, Florida, yeah. Yeah, a little different, a little different. And uh, uh, But, you know, Bruce and I, we're still friends to this day. I finally got to see him a few months back. It had been a long time. Um, but, I, you know, I, we're great friends. And uh, love him to death, um, but it was just was really cool to be, become that close with somebody that grew up that differently and, and really try to understand what that was like. Meanwhile, he's protecting your ass out there, right? You got Bruce Smith in, in the midst of a 200 sat career trying to rip your head off, and this is this is that that is the person impeding that from happening. Yeah, that was that was my guy. Now, I, you know, I, I was always nice to those guys, no matter what. You know, I was, they were taking care of me. They had my life in their hands, so I was going to take care of them. Uh, you know, no matter what. But uh, but Bruce and I, you know, actually formed a, a pretty cool friendship as well. Uh, but yeah, his battles with Bruce Smith were legendary. You know, those were two of the very best uh, in the game at their respective positions, and it, we always equated it to uh, you know the the Sunday. Uh, uh, Saturday morning cartoons where you got the sheepdog and the wolf and they come in and hey, you know, Bob, good, good. You know, how's family good? And then they punch the clock and try to kill each other, uh, for the course of the day. And then at the end of the day, they come punch the clock and say, Hey, tell your wife and said hi and all them. But, but in the, while they're at work, they're literally trying to kill each other. And that, and that's what it was. It was, uh, those battles were absolutely epic. Yeah. I mean, and like you said, this is a, d- a different time, a different era. Any other hits to this day? Are you proud that you were able to take? And get come oh, back from. Oh, there were a lot of them. Actually, that very my very first game at Buffalo. Um, Bruce Armstrong was it was his first game back after a catastrophic knee injury, so he wasn't he wasn't at uh, at a hundred percent. Well, Bruce Smith got the best of him one time. 
uh, beat him inside, and he put one of those hits that uh, on me that was uh, it ended up being in, in his commercial, his Nike commercial the next year. But it's the slow mo one where I'm standing there, and all of a sudden you just see my head snap back in slow mo as Bruce put his helmet right between my shoulder blades. You know, today it would have been a hundred thousand dollar fine, uh, but back then it was just football. Uh, but it was, uh, but I you know popped back up and uh, ended up ended up uh, you know throwing a couple touchdowns. They beat us last minute in that game, but. Um, but I remember I got to meet Bruce Smith after the game. He, of course, was standing there talking to Bruce Armstrong. And Army said, hey, come say hi. And I walked over and said, nice to meet you, Mr. Smith. Because um, I just watched him play in the Super Bowl a few months before that. And now we're playing against each other. Uh, but, yeah, he put one of those for real hits on me uh, in that game. And, and uh, he goes, hey, respect, rookie. I put a good one on you. You got up and kept going. Just, just hearing that from Bruce probably – Oh yeah, carried no, a little weight cool. as a rookie. That was cool. Yeah. Well, I just I just wanted his autograph. <laughs> I mean, that was the iconic commercial, right? The the bad bad. Yeah, things. The, yeah, the bad very bad things. Yeah, yeah, with Dennis yeah. Hopper. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. God, and then the, the Bills days, though. I mean, there's there's some nostalgia there. I mean, you guys come out like gangbusters in, in 2002. Yeah, that was really had a, we had a great time playing in Buffalo. You know, I think. Most everybody that, that gets a chance to play in Buffalo, it's very, very different than what people, you know, think from the outside. You know, particularly back then, you're like, oh, man, I don't want to be exiled to Buffalo, you know. But then you go there, uh, and, man, the fans there are so loyal. Um, the fan base is so strong. Uh, it's a small town. It's like Buffalo and Green Bay are like the two small-town environments that NFL players get to play in. Uh, and it was just a, it was a really cool thing to be a part of. Um, very different from, you know, 30 other teams in the league, uh, in terms of just how you're embraced in the community. You just, you know, you go out to dinner and people are like, Hey, good luck this week. And that's it. You know, it's not a thing. Yeah. You're not going to come sit down at your table and break down your third down calls. Uh, they're just going to wish you luck. And, and, uh, uh, it was, yeah, it was a cool experience to be a part of that. What did you like doing in, in town here? Did, did you enjoy living in Western New York? Eddie? We loved living in Western New York. Um, and for us, we were a little bit older and we had kids, you know, and so we would, uh, uh, I don't know, the thing that, the thing that was different there is because it's a small town environment like that, the play, the players all hung out together. You know, we, we would, uh, instead of, instead of everybody going out to, you know, the nightlife, the big city and all that stuff, no, we, you know, we'd go into town and we'd go down to Chippewa Street every now and then. But, uh, but, uh, for the most part, um, you know, we would just have get togethers at, at guys' houses and, um, you know, maybe an after practice beer at the, at the big tree. Um, and, uh, uh, and yeah, we would just hang out and then we had, we had a killer property there with little fishing ponds and we'd go out with the kids and go catch some fish. Um, we actually even got to go, I, you know, I didn't even know this was a thing cause we were playing football these years, but, um, got to go to elk camp during the season, uh, one night after a game, you know, when hung out with the guys while they were, um, trying to, trying to kill some elk. Um, and, really? uh, yeah. So, I mean, it was just, you know, it was just, we went pheasant hunting during the season one time. I mean, it just like, it was, it was, uh, it was just, it was, it was very, very different than, than playing pretty much any place else. And we really, really enjoyed it. And the people were just absolutely awesome. Probably popped down to Jim Kelly's hunting lodge in my hometown, Ellicottville, right? That's not too far. Uh, yes, away. exactly. That's exactly yeah. where we went. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> where we went with that. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was cool, man. We uh, we absolutely loved it out there, and um, honestly, wish it could have lasted longer. You know, and I mean that 
the O two team, you guys started five and three. Like I said, set all yeah. these records. So there's some yeah. good times yeah. there. And even the O four yeah. team, I mean, you guys won like six in a row, almost yeah, snuck we were, in. We that, were that's off a team to the that races, and we just yeah, we just kind of couldn't sustain it. We had some injuries, particularly up front, and and uh, just couldn't quite sustain it, which was uh, which was heartbreaking because we really really wanted to bring a championship to the Bills, and I and I still to this day, and I, I'm always careful when I say this, you know, because I don't want to piss off any Patriots fans, but. Man, if the Bills if the Bills finally do break through and win a championship, um, I might paint my face. I, you know, just the fans out there deserve one, man. You know, I've been so loyal to the Bills um, for so many years and, you know, make it to the Super Bowl four times in a row. And as I was saying earlier, when you make it to that game and you don't win it, it's it's almost more painful than, have, you know, never having gone. Um, and I know that that's how the fans feel as well. You know, they're super proud of their teams, but, man, but if they, uh, if the Bills do finally break through, and I know they will one of these days, they do finally break through and win a championship. Um, I'm going to be pretty happy for uh, for all those fans out there. How would you compare Bills fans to Patriot fans? I mean, that was a fragile time for both fan bases too, right? I mean, there's yeah. a lot of emotions all over the place. Yeah, I think for it back sure. to the blowout win over the Patriots too yeah. mixed in there. Yeah, you know, I think the uh, the yeah the big I, I don't know I just think. In in Boston, uh, you know the fans are just so diehard about all their sports, and the, you know, sports radio has been a thing here for forever and ever. I think it's really where it kind of took took its foothold, and so it's just it's ingrained in everything they do all day, every day. Uh, is are their sports teams uh, in Buffalo? You know, you got the Bills, you got the Sabers, um, but then people are also you know they're, they're doing other stuff, and, you know, living life and so on, but they're uh, but I would say the biggest difference that, that I would point to. So in, in Boston, you have a guy like Bill Buckner who had an amazing career um, as a, a baseball player. Makes one error at the at the wrong time, and he. I don't think he came back to Boston for many many years after he retired. You know, they finally brought him back and gave him a big round of a you know, big ovation and, and took care of him. Whereas in, in uh, you know, in Buffalo, you know, I hear about, you know, Scott Norwood misses, misses the kick that would have beat the Giants in the, in the first of those four Super Bowls. They had the big downtown parade and, and rally um, after the season. And he didn't want to come out in front of the fans until the fans started chanting his name. They just said, Norwood. And so, you know, he, he misses the biggest kick, you know, uh, in the, in the world that year and didn't want to come out. And the fans want, demanded that he come out so that they could yeah. cheer for him. And so that's, that's, if you want to put a dichotomy between Boston sports fans and Buffalo sports fans, there it is. You know, Buckner couldn't come back to town, um, where Norwood, you know, they forced him to come back and come out and, and accept his applause. Um, and so just radically different from that standpoint. I, I never thought of it like that, Drew. That That's such a great point and unbelievable. Yeah. And, and really, you're when you're the quarterback, too, they draft your replacement in, a, in right. the first round. And yeah. I imagine there's probably you're, – you're hearing fans just banging the mm-hmm. table for this unknown to play at some point. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you had these great things to say about the fans says oh, yeah, a lot, too, it. right? Oh, we loved it. We loved it. Yeah, fans are fans, and they – Look, they're they're uh, they're buying tickets. They're paying our salaries. They get to they get to express their opinion. I've never had a problem with that ever, um, as long as it was done done appropriately and not when I'm at dinner, um, you know, with, with my with my young family. Uh, and that's why we you know we're the, the people in Buffalo. If we were at dinner, they might they might wave and say hi. But that was it. 
Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, they're just very respectful of us as players when we were there. I mean, I, I got to ask you, though, with these current Bills, Josh Allen, week one, looked like a different Josh Allen, right? I mean, four turnovers, wasn't himself. I don't know how closely you're really watching Allen and the Bills and that game, but how, how can they get things back on track? Oh, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll get it going. They'll get it going. You know, I mean, the thing about the NFL is, I mean, even, you know, even, even with, uh, with the turnovers and so on, it's still an overtime game, you know, and, uh, um, you know, they're, they're a very, very good team. Josh is one of the best players in the NFL. Um, that wasn't his, wasn't his best night, you know, that, uh, in week one, but, um, they're going to be in it. They're going to be very relevant, you know, right, right to the very, very end. Um, and, uh, you know, if they're not a, if they're not a playoff team that makes a run, I'll be extremely surprised. Um, so I don't know. I think everybody, everybody loves to, uh, everybody loves to overreact after one week of an NFL season. There's, there's 16 more of these games and, uh, you know, nobody's going undefeated. Um, I mean, maybe somebody does, but that, that the odds of somebody going undefeated in today's NFL are ridiculously long. I think the uh, I think the Dolphins uh, undefeated team they can just keep that champagne on ice, and it's it's probably you know I'd be surprised if somebody's undefeated through like five or six weeks this year. It's just there's, there's so much parity in the NFL. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the Bills are going to be there at the end. They'll 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 be in it. Don't panic. Do you enjoy the quality of play today? Like we said, it's a totally different game, especially. Yeah, I, I, I do. I do. It's really fun to watch. Um, you know, they've, they've, they've made a lot of rule changes, which there are um, in most ways are, are, well, they're all necessary. And in most ways they're positive um, around player safety. They, they coddle the quarterbacks, of course, you know, and so I'm, of course, I'm, all, all of us that, that played in the good old days, you know, we're jealous of, of what these guys get to do now where they can't touch them, can't even really look at them wrong. They get a penalty and a fine, um, can't really hit the receivers. Uh, but from a fan standpoint, you know, it makes the, uh, it makes the game incredibly fun to watch. Um, and yeah, so I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. Even it is at the expense of football, though. At times, it feels to me, anyways. You know, we're losing. Yeah, there something. are. Yeah, there are. I mean, it's you know, it's, you know, it's modern day gladiator sport, and so in a lot of ways, um, and uh, it's definitely changed. I do. I'm not going to say that I feel sorry for, but I at least understand the misery of some defensive football players now. You know, where you come in, you get a free shot on the quarterback, and you have to figure out in the moment as you're going a thousand miles an hour. How do I go as hard as I can? And when then when I come to hit this guy, well, now I have to like grab him and like pull him down on top of me. And sometimes that can even be a penalty. Um, you know, or if you're, uh, you know, if you're in the secondary, you're going as fast as you can to go hit this receiver. And then at the last second, you know, you got to see the ball, see this guy and then figure out how you're not going to hit him too hard. Um, you know, so I understand. I, I, I'm, I'm never going to tell you I feel sorry for him, but I at least, uh, I at least commiserate a little bit with, uh, you know the the split second decision making and the split second athleticism it takes to go that fast and then to be able to pull off and decide exactly how you're going to hit this guy without getting a penalty uh, requires just really fast thinking and incredible athleticism uh, to be able to go that fast and then at the last second slow down and adjust so that you don't hit somebody too hard. Uh, is a it's, it's a really really difficult task for, for for defensive football players. You're right. I mean, there was a play with Mahomes Thursday night where it wasn't a total fake slide, but he kind of like 
just pulled up a, a millisecond, and you can see yeah. that Detroit player kind of paused yeah, kind of, and lunged kind of, and missed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know the uh, yeah, the uh, yeah. Like I say, it'd be it'd be really difficult. It'd be really really difficult. But again, also admitting that I'm I'm jealous. You know, it'd be fun to play uh, play quarterback when they can't hit you. Well, you look fun. good. You sound good. Your memory's obviously sharp as hell. Everything on the inside, doing yeah, as yeah. good as you can no, imagine. Dude, I just it's when the uh, the NFL allows us to go get uh, like every five years, they can go get this full comprehensive head to toe physical. I just went and got mine and uh, got a clean bill of health. So, um, so brain seems to function fairly well most of the time, unless I drink too much wine. In, in which case, then uh, then it slows down a little bit. But uh, but uh, yeah, I got a clean bill of health, so I'm I'm happy. You know, it takes a little more effort when you're in your 50s than it did when you're in your you know 30s. But uh, uh, but yeah, so far so good. Man, that that that's great to hear, Drew. Gosh, and and love seeing everything you're doing. Business is doing great. Um, li- life today, yeah. What's uh, what gets you up life in the morning now? Life today is good. Life today is good. We're uh, going to be on the road um, most of the fall, uh, selling wine. Which uh, you know, look, I don't expect anybody to feel bad for me at all it's pretty fun um but uh traveling a bunch we got uh, we're boston now then back to portland and then then i go on this little odyssey i'm actually going to be in buffalo for the uh, dolphins game um and uh uh but yeah it's like chicago milwaukee kohler buffalo boston then we're going to london back to uh back to philly you know we're kind of a lot a lot of airplanes but ultimately at the end of the day we're selling wine it's pretty fun Love it. Well, hey, when you're in Buffalo, we'll have to uh, tell the masses, and I imagine yeah. you'll be out there with the flag or something for the game. Right? Yeah, I, yeah, I'd hope we'll do so. The, do the, they do, do you right? The, yeah, we're gonna do the do the whole uh, halftime thing, and yeah, that whole thing. It'll be it'll be pretty fun. Well, hey, you're the man, Drew. Thanks so much for taking more Appreciate time it, out of your Good day. To talk to you always.